It is good to be back. I'm sorry I missed two weeks ago. As some of you guys know, I was sick, but thankfully I'm doing a lot better now. We missed you too, Noah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I missed being here. I missed opening the semester with you guys. Um, but just as a reminder of what we've been talking about this week, or sorry, this week, this year, is we've been talking about big questions. Questions like, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Uh, can Christianity be true for you and not for me? Those type of questions. Um, and if you have questions about where we've been or any of those things, we have our RYF podcast on our website, which will help go over those, some of those things. So if you're curious about any of those, they're up for us that we can listen to. But our question tonight is this. Does God care when we hurt? That's our question. Does God care when we hurt? I see the scripture sheets have made it around. There's a couple extras on the table if anybody needs one. Um, you'll see on the back of that sheet, there's a list of passages in the Bible. And this is a list of many passages in the Bible on suffering. Not all of them, but a good bit of them. Um, some of them I'm going to reference tonight, but I want you to have them. That way you can use them, you can look at them, you can uh, find them later, you can read some of them. You can help kind of go back over some of the things we're going to talk about tonight. Um, so I'm going to read for us starting from John chapter 11. Uh, and you'll see it's on some of the sheet today. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Verse 17, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She has said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, verse 43, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is the living and active word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Would you help us to see light in the midst of darkness, hope in the midst of difficulty, and peace in the midst of pain tonight, through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, show of hands, how many of you all have ever been in pain? Right? That's going to be everybody. How many people have ever been in pain that you didn't bring on? A, it wasn't a consequence of yourself, right? It wasn't your fault that you were in pain, right? Still everybody, right? Every hand goes up. Could be physical pain, could be emotional pain, but we all know what it feels like to be in pain and not because of something we did, right? Now, this question then is really a different question than some of the others that we've asked this year, right? Because maybe you don't, you're not kept up at night wondering about the number of biblical manuscripts we have, right? But maybe, you, maybe you've had the hard thought, okay, I'm hurting. Why doesn't God do anything? 
And if you haven't had that thought, that question's going to come for you. You're going to hear somebody talk about it, right? If there's a God, why doesn't he do anything about suffering? Um, so the question remains for us tonight to talk about, does God care when we hurt? Not just does God care when I hurt, but when other people I know hurt, when people I love hurt, does God care? And the answer is yes. I'm not going to leave you in suspense. The answer is yes, God does care. But in order to see that, we're going to look at three things. So first, we need to look to the past to see that God cares. Because if we look to the past, we see that God created a world without suffering. So to see this past, we have to go all the way back to the book of Genesis, all the way back to Genesis 1. Many of you, if you're reading through the Bible in a year, you've probably read Genesis 1 this month, right? But if we go back to Genesis 1, we see that God created the world, and he created it good. Six times in Genesis 1, it says creation is good. And then at the end of Genesis 1, it says everything is very good. So God created everything without pain, without suffering, without death. And this is important because it's only through understanding this that we can understand what's going on in John chapter 11. Let me read the first three verses again. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters went to Jesus saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Now it's going to seem really simple. But if I say Lazarus is ill, then I mean he's sick. I mean he's not well. I mean he's not good, right? But we can only understand what it means to be unwell if we understand that God created everything good. <coughs> when we know, when we understand that God created a perfect good world, we then have a standard for what good is. We have a standard for what it means not to be in pain, right? And without God's standard, without this very good creation in Genesis 1, what can we really say about suffering? Maybe we'd say, well, pain is just part of life. We've got to deal with it. It's natural. And yet we all know that's not how it feels, and that's not true. <coughs> or maybe worse, without God and without creation, all we can say is, well, pain is here, and it might not be better than no pain. It's only kind of based on how you feel pain, and you can't really say very much. But we know that God created a very good world. That means there's a standard. And that means pain, and that means suffering, and that means when we hurt is not the way it's supposed to be. Let me explain it this way. So this is a Rubik's Cube. I'm sure many of you have seen a Rubik's Cube before, right? You all know what it looks like when it's solved, when all the colors are in the right place and all the different sides have the same color. Now, in order to make sense of it all mixed up like this, we have to know where it started. We have to know where it began, right? And if we know where it began, we can start to understand things that are wrong and things that are right. So we can say, okay, these two are the same color, they're next to each other. These two are the same color, they're next to each other. Those are good things. But a lot of these things are mixed up, right? The only way we can see that it's mixed up is if we understand what it looked like when it was perfectly solved. And the world is so much more complex than a simple Rubik's Cube. This only has 27 moving parts. The world has so many more moving parts, right? But with the past in mind, with a very good creation in mind, you and I can see what's right and what's wrong, and we can trust our creator when things are hard. So look to the past. God created a world without suffering. But what does it look like for you and I to look to the past right now, right? The past was a long time ago. Well, first, that means you and I can call suffering what it is. We can say suffering is wrong. Suffering is bad. Suffering's not the way it's supposed to be. This means also that you and I can admit when we're hurting instead of trying to hold it in and act like everything's okay. Sometimes we think good Christians don't struggle. Sometimes that's our expectation, but that's actually not true. The Christian life is a struggle. 
The New Testament says everyone who desires to live a godly life will be persecuted. Paul says at one point that he was burdened and he despaired of life itself. Things can get really difficult. You and I can be honest with ourselves and with one another about the pain that we're feeling. We can be honest with our parents, honest with our friends, honest with one another at RYF. And this also means you can feel the pain of other people, right? If you know the world is not the way it's supposed to be, you can look at somebody else's pain and say, yeah, that's really difficult. That's really hard. It also means we should want to see, once again, a world without suffering. And this desire to see a world without suffering doesn't lead us away from God, but actually to God, because God's the same creator who made everything good in the first place. Just like the women in this passage, when Lazarus is ill, they go to Jesus because they know Jesus can do something about it. But sometimes it's hard to know, how do I go to God when things are hard, when things hurt? And there are some passages in the Bible that help us with that. In particular, there are psalms called the Psalms of Lament. Some of them are on the back of your sheet tonight. And those are, are words that God is giving us to use to describe how it feels to, to be in pain and to wonder where God is. And so the Bible actually gives us language to use in those really difficult times. So we look to the past. God created a world without suffering. But to see that God does care when we hurt, we also have to look ahead because we know this. We know that things don't stay good and perfect in Genesis 1 because in Genesis 3, there's a fall, right? Things turn bad, which is why we get a passage in John 11, like verses 4 and 5 and 6. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Verse 17, now when he, Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. So Lazarus dies. And we ask, okay, where is God? Lazarus is dead. Right? Why didn't Jesus come? The second thing we need to do is we also need to look to the future. Because God is making a world without suffering. So in John 11, we see at the end of the passage, Lazarus is raised from the dead which is amazing. Let me read verses 43 and 44 again. When he had said these things, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So Lazarus is alive again, which is amazing, right? Lazarus is raised to life. That's actually a shadow of what's going to be true for you and I, that we're going to be raised to life once again. Think about the story of Joseph that we've been talking about on most Sunday mornings recently right? He suffered by his brothers, but he says this in Genesis 50. He's talking to his brothers. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So he's saying you meant this thing for evil, but God actually used it in the end for good. Or Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. There will be comfort for those who mourn, which is good news. God works through suffering, and God works through suffering amazingly for our good. Romans 5, 3-5 says this, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and that endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. You see that chain? Suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope. God is at work even in the middle of our suffering. Or in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is in his weakness talking, and God says to him, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Romans 8.18 says this, 
For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. There's a future glory. Revelation describes that future glory. Revelation 21, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Let me give you an illustration. When marathon runners run, they're running 26 or so miles, which is insane, first of all, right? Ultra marathon runners run even more. But one of the things that enables them to keep going is they do something called visualization. What they do is they visualize themselves crossing the finish line and how they're going to feel, and how good it's going to be. And that actually enables them to go through and run, and run well, because they're visualizing the finish line, right? And that's one of the things that we need to do in the Christian life, is we need to think ahead to what's going to be, when God's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. So we need to look to the future, because God's making a world without suffering. But what does it look like to look to the future now? I mean, to keep our eyes on the future, we need to know that future. We need to know God's promises, because in our suffering, the per- when, when we're suffering, our current moment feels like this is all there is, right? It's just so hard. But how in that moment can we remember God's promises? One of the beautiful ways we get to do that is at worship every Sunday morning, where we come back and get to hear over and over again the beautiful promises of God. At the end of every worship service, what do we say? We always say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, right? That's us thinking about this future where God's going to make a world without suffering. But at this point, you're saying, okay, Noah, what about the present, right? Things are hard now. Yes, I wasn't around at the very beginning where everything was good, and I don't know how long it's going to be till the end, right? But what about now? Now, I've done this on purpose because everything I've said is true, but sometimes it's really hard for us to talk about the present in our suffering. We talk about the future, we talk about the past, but the present is sometimes so hard. And that's where we really ask the most, where is God? He was there, yes, he will be there, but is he here now? Does God care when I hurt now? Well, look to the present, because God is with us in our suffering. God is with us in our suffering. See, Jesus, in John 11, does something between the death of Lazarus and the glorious resurrection of Lazarus. Jesus actually comes to Martha and Mary. Now, it's not when they want him to, right? But when they need him most, after Lazarus has died. And first he talks with Martha. We see that in verses 21 through 27. Let me read them for us. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. Now, what Martha says here, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died, is the exact same thing Mary is going to say. But they use the same words, but they have some different responses. Because Martha's is kind of the more, we might call it thoughtful. She's looking at the future, saying, well, I know one day Lazarus will rise again, I guess. And Jesus' response is yes, but he says this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Notice that's present tense, right? Even in the middle of your suffering, I am the resurrection and the life right now. Next, he talks with Mary, verses 32 to 35. There's a misprint on that verse 32 in your, in your page. But now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. 
When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So next he talks to Mary. Same words, different response. Hers might be called more the emotional response. Looking back at the past and weeping over the goodness of losing Lazarus and saying, he had a great life with us. We loved him and now he's dead. So she's weeping over his death. But what does Jesus do? His response, he weeps with her. He's actually sad and, and, and he describes it as him being actually angry over sin and over death. He remains present with her, right? Just like he was present with Martha. And what Mary and Martha need is not Lazarus, actually, but they both need Jesus. You and I don't just need our present suffering to end. What we actually need is Jesus. Why? Because Jesus suffers with us, and Jesus suffered for us. You see, Jesus suffered with us. The word compassion literally means to suffer with. Jesus has compassion because he suffered with us. How? How did Jesus suffer with us? He became a man. He took on flesh. Jesus knows what it's like to suffer like you and I suffer. He knows what it feels like to be tired. He knows what it feels like to be hungry. He knows what it feels like to be tempted. He knows what it feels like to be mistreated. He knows what it feels like to be betrayed by friends. He knows what it feels like to see those he loves like Lazarus die. He knows all those things. He also himself knows what it feels like to die because Jesus also suffered for us. Jesus took on a level of suffering that you and I can't imagine. When he was on the cross, he cried out the beginning words of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And why did he cry that out? Because Jesus was actually separated the Father, from the Father at that point because of our sin. What should have happened to us, the separation that we deserve for our sin, went to him. And he did that willingly. Isaiah 53 says this about Jesus. Listen to this description of a suffering Savior. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. In the sufferings of Jesus... We are healed, and we have hope in the midst of our sufferings now. This is why Romans 8 can say this, verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we believe in Christ, as the New Testament talks about it, if we are in Christ, then we can have comfort even in our sufferings because we're comforted by the sufferings of Jesus. Think about that illustration I gave of a marathon. Imagine somebody running with you. How much easier is that going to be? But even more than that, imagine somebody running it for you, doing what you could not do. That's what Jesus did. There's a book series called Inheritance, which is all about dragons and magic and things like this. But there's this character in it called Elva. And when she's a baby, she gets blessed by somebody. And they mean to say, would you be shielded from misfortune? But they actually say, would you be a shield from misfortune? And so she grows up feeling the pain of everybody around her. And she hates it. 
She wants to get rid of it. She, it just makes her sick because she's feeling the weight of all this pain and can't do anything about it, right? Well, Jesus took that upon himself. He willingly took this on, feeling our pain, feeling our suffering, feeling our sorrows, taking on our sin. He did that willingly. Look to the present. God is with us even in our sufferings. So how can you and I find Jesus in our sufferings now? What does it look like to look to him? Well, for some of us, like Martha, when we look to the future, Christ is saying, yes, there is the future, but also I currently am the resurrection and the life. Or maybe like Mary, when we look back and and weep, Christ is weeping with us now, feeling our pain, feeling our sufferings. Now, we can't physically see him like Martha and Mary, but he's given us his church, which is called the body of Christ. The church is meant to weep with those who weep. That's why we gather again and again. That's why we gather together at RYF. That's why we gather together in home groups on a Sunday morning to do this together. This also means that you and I can show God's presence to other people when they're suffering. Because sometimes we don't know what to do, if we're honest. If we see somebody suffering, we just don't know what to do. We kind of want to avoid it, or we kind of want to move them through and say, hey, it's all just going to be okay, right? But we can actually show them God's presence by being with them in suffering. By saying, this isn't the way it's supposed to be, And this is hard now. Not that we're trying to fix it, but weeping with those who weep and sometimes pointing them to the truth and the hope of resurrection. Think about the game we played tonight, right? You grabbed a random partner. You were trying to get to the same word. How did it feel when you both finally said the same word? It was really exciting because you said, you are with me, right? You know what I'm thinking. And it's fun when you're playing a game, but imagine your lowest point in life when you're hurting the most, Jesus is with you even at that point, and he knows how you're feeling. There was a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer who was a Christian in Nazi Germany. It was really hard. He suffered a lot. He was eventually killed by the Nazis. But he had this phrase, and he said, only the suffering God can help. In the midst of all the suffering he experienced, he said this, only the suffering God can help. And the good news is that he has suffered. That Christ has come down and suffered for us. I want us to think about this in closing. The worst suffering we can imagine is death. Maybe a painful death, right? And death normally should mean eternal separation from God, which is truly the most suffering we can ever experience. But now, because of what Jesus has done for believers, death is now the door to perfect, eternal life without suffering where there are springs of living water, as Revelation says, where he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, as it says. In the Old Testament, there's a book of Job, which is all about suffering of Job. And he suffers unjustly. He didn't do anything wrong. And it's hard. He talks to God throughout the book again and again. But he says this in in chapter 19. He says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has thus been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Or take the words of 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. It is hard to hurt. But God cares when we hurt. We can look to the past and we can see that God created a perfect world. 
We can look to the future and see that God is making a world without suffering, but we can also look to the present and see God is with us in our suffering because Christ came and suffered with us, but Christ also came and suffered for us. So we can look to Jesus in our sufferings. Let's pray. Father, your grace is such a gift to us. Lord, we ask that you would be near to us, your presence would be with us, that by your Holy Spirit you would show us that you are with us in the midst of our sufferings when things are hard. Would you give us good people that we can share with and talk to at our church here at RYF and at New St. Peter's as a whole? Lord, we ask that you would show us your glory through the midst of all the things that we go through. For Lord, thank you for Jesus, for he is for us the resurrection and the life. Help us to look to him in our sufferings and encourage us through your Holy Spirit. Bless now our time in small groups, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.